0: Happy Tuesday.
1: Hello, everyone. It's the 3rd of April, and we are here. We are. We've had a lovely day today. It's a little windy, uh, which we like. Papa is blowing his ruach across northeastern Oklahoma today, and hopefully in your world as well. We've had the sweet and gentle pitter-patter of jackhammers Outside of oh. our house as our driveway is being dug up and replaced. And um, so it's much quieter now, but pretty cool some of the pictures that God's giving us through that.
0: Yeah, we're not going to guarantee you won't hear anything now. They are still working, but the the bulk of the jackhammering and bulldozering seems to be done for today. So, but... He is definitely giving us tangible pictures, um, as we walk through this season. So that's that's pretty amazing. So we are snuggled up here at home, and uh, you know, just enjoying this brief moment of quiet we have. We know we'll definitely be loud again tomorrow. So why not? Here we are. Here at we least are. The,
1: we know the painters will be much quieter than the jackhammer.
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: Well, it's amazing to us just to watch Papa move today. Um, had a few amazing things take place. The, the foundations being removed and rebuilt so much faster than I thought possible. Um, they're already going to be pouring concrete tomorrow, and that's after jackhammering today. I'm impressed. And we know that God is talking so much about the bride and the maturing sons and daughters of God, fulfilling that role, that call that Jesus gave us when he read from the scroll of Isaiah 61 and left for us the rest of that stanza, the infamous verses 2b through 7. And it's verse 4 that really stands out to us today, and that is that they will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the... Ruined cities that have been devastated for generations, and it's interesting, you know. Today, some of our meetings were all about uh, introductions and meeting new people and uh, bridge building, and it's just it, really cool to to see how God is revealing the um, ancient ruins where He's not going to have us build on top of. But in many respects, we're going to dig out and replace and bring in a firm foundation. And I believe God is saying that he always wants us to be built upon the rock. And how many times do we get that revelation that there's something in our foundation that is not the rock? And, uh, and it's okay. God just wants to reveal it to us so the jackhammers can come and dig them up. And put in the foundation of Christ that is uh, sure and that the house built upon it will not be moved. And so we see God doing that in our own hearts. Uh, we see that doing that collectively in all of our hearts and around the world. and uh, we we've even seen some some dear people we know that uh, that are in our communities who um, have been having some heart struggles. And so we know God is talking about the heart. He's talking about the foundation. He's talking about some of the stones and hard places and some of the ruins that that perhaps we have um, seen through the filter of their old days of glory, but we've not seen what his plan is for now, And that's what we all want to receive from him and embrace and live out in great love what he has always intended. And so as the foundations are being uh, broken up and and replaced and fixed and healed and uh, we get to step into um, a life of trust where he is our source in every single part of our lives. And there's not one spot in us that is um, the old foundation, which is ourselves. And so we welcome your light, come, Papa, and reveal every place in our lives where our foundations are ruins that uh, of selfishness that need to be dug up, so that the new foundation can not only be rebuilt but be built quickly. Because we know that's what you're doing right now, heart surgeries for us all, and we're blessed to receive them.
0: Yeah, and I think, you know, we've been talking the past few weeks about finding the lost coins. And of course, when we find what He's always had for us or what what was once so prevalent in our life, and it's restored to us through that, that search, just like uh, looking for the yeast um, during... Uh, Passover it means we let go of some things and uh just as Paul was talking about with the kind of the excavating and um we let go of what things look like for what he wants to build what he wants to have it look like so our old visions and pictures and all that get to uh, be let go of and letting go isn't always easy and I'll just um read this journal entry from a time for us uh, last year when we just we call it the great grief um but it also was the great joy so we were we were driving and uh, we passed two ram trucks so two dodge ram trucks in a row a covenant sign for jesus's ram means power his horns are not caught in a thicket but formed in a crown that is what his heart is for us And sometimes we learn it takes power to let go, to let tears flow and breasts be ragged and hearts break in order to beat. It's those very cracks that light comes through and shows us the next step to take, the next risk to make, and the unbelievable to believe. So as you're finding coins, we bless you also to free your hands to let go of what needs to be let go of um, in order to truly take hold what he has but mostly to cling to him you know just as we're coming we're just in this season so reminded of how jesus clung to the father and clung to the cross you know he clung to a rugged tree and uh we can cling even when it's rugged and uh doesn't look quite like we thought um we can cling and and be amazed at what we take hold of so in that um just as we come through passover the feast of first fruits which is resurrection day and we are so celebrating resurrection um i've been in the tent quite a bit all of us have because we uh, are hosting for lack of a better word what we're calling tented which was a word that pa got for 2018 that we would um move towards 24/7 prayer um in the tent and so we're certainly not there, but we're on our way. And so uh, we're all taking turns, passing the baton to each other to have time in the tent every day of the week. And during that time, we're, we're praying, certainly. But more than anything, we're, we're giving Him the space to invade us and for us to experience the Lord in ways we may not have. And uh, so... A Sunday, I was just really reminded of something. I was in the tent, and uh, it was very overcast, and I really was wanting a glorious sunrise, because you, you all know we have just the best sunsets here, but the sunrises are not too far behind that, and uh, so I was just kind of, it'd been very rainy here, and overcast for some days, and I was really um, all about a sunrise, but as I got to the tent just a few minutes before sunrise, um, I realized I wasn't going to be seeing one, because <laughs> it was just so, uh, so dark, and clouds, and there was just a wind, and that kind of thing, and so I was in the tent, and I really was just putting myself in the place of the disciples as... Jesus had died and they were awaiting. They didn't know what. You know, as we celebrate this and commemorate um, this feast and just enter into it in our fullness, we know what we celebrate. We get to discover the fullness more each rehearsal that we have. But for the disciples, though it had been prophesied and Jesus had told them, you know, what was What was coming? He didn't give them all the information they wanted, but he gave them such revelation. And you know, it's just a reminder to us: we can want all the information sometimes, so we know this is what's going to happen, this is when it's going to happen, and this is how we'll do that. But so often, I think most often, or maybe always, he gives us revelation, not information, and so. He had given the disciples such revelation, like just direct revelation. You know, I'll tear down this temple and rebuild it in three days. And for the time period they were in, that was so significant because they knew. They knew in their culture that to um, there was this time period of waiting when someone died. It was a full 72 hours from the time of death till they um, you know, they would be, be finally put to rest. And so if resurrection was going to occur, it would happen after that 72 hours because it had to be determined that the person really had died, you know, and um, nothing nothing different was going to happen in that. And so when he said that, like, they knew what that meant. You know, they knew exactly what he meant. So they had all this revelation Um, But they didn't always have understanding. And that's part of our daily bread. When He reveals something to us, we then, through daily bread and waiting with Him, the understanding of the revelation comes. Um, The revelation by itself, we so often try to do something with it, make something happen with it. Uh, draw a conclusion about it. And then we miss the fullness of what he's saying. And so this is kind of where the disciples are. Like he has, I mean, you know, we read the parables and everything with with this great understanding now. So we're like, what were you thinking? But we would have been thinking the same, you know, in the same, same boat or the same upper room that they were in. And so they have no idea what if, if, dawn is coming they don't know is light gonna break through the darkness again they don't know and you know I was feeling that in that moment just what they must have been feeling like what does it look like from here like what is is tomorrow lighter Is the next day have light you know what what does this look like so I can't even fathom just the um you know the pressure they felt and the um just, you know, were they grasping every word he said or were they trying to make sense of it in man's way? You know, what, what were they going through in that time? So I just was kind of imagining myself in those moments, like longing for sunset and knowing it's not coming today, Um, maybe tomorrow. And you know, honestly, it was today. So this is Tuesday. It was today before it came and I was in the tent again. I was in with Edge. And we we just had some time together there and then we went and walked and and we really just started talking about daybreak, like all the things we knew he was doing and his faithfulness and all that and the cloud, it was a very cloudy day. Um, dark, dark clouds, and they just started moving and it just like, I love it when they just move like that and blue sky came and the sun came and um, so then I was trying to imagine, what it felt like to them in that moment when they realized day, the day had dawned, like everything he had ever said had, was dawning right in front of them. And so in that, in those days, in those days they were waiting for the sunrise, um, it was the counting of the Omer. And so the counting of the Omer is really one of my favorite things. Like, I love the feast, but I really love the counting of the Omer. A lot, because it's it's this link for us. It links Passover to Shavuot, so it's it's seven weeks, seven days, seven weeks, and um, it begins after Passover, and so it's when the sickle is first put to the standing crops, and it it all is such a mirror of jesus death and resurrection so he's put upright on this cross the barley sheaves are upright for uh the sickle to come and harvest them and so omer basically means grain offering. so the omer was the barley uh the first fruit of the barley crops and they were brought to the temple for the priest and so um the barley would be reaped and then it would be placed in baskets and it was carried to Jerusalem as the first fruit. So while Jesus, he's in the tomb while he's there, the priest right there in that city would have been threshing and roasting and grinding the barley into flour. And so they're demonstrating this crushing he went through and this, uh, just this fire he went through, and this um, becoming our bread. You know they're just demonstrating it. So all night is they're preparing. He's in his last hours in the tomb, and so they're refining and they're sifting through. They're putting the flour through thirteen sieves. I think there's sieve? Um, no, no. Whichever, whatever. Potato, potato. So they're putting it through that and it's just being completely sifted and so before that flower that the priests were preparing was even ready to go to the altar the women um had discovered the empty tomb so they're in the process of this they've discovered the priests are doing what they're doing and the women have discovered the tomb is empty and they've gone and they've um Reported it, and while the disciples are like, "I wonder where he could be," I wonder, and you know, they're not saying, "Where's Jesus?" They're saying, "I wonder where his body is." You know, they, they still don't have the concept of resurrection yet, and so, that's happening. They're they're wondering about this, and the priests are mixing the barley flour, with oil and with frankincense, uh, to make, to make the bread offering, and so they've now they've got the dough. And so as Mary Magdalene is having this encounter with Jesus in the garden, and then, you know, Jesus is going on and encountering some other people, the high priest is waving this dough, he's doing the wave offering, um, and he's doing this before the Lord, and the Lord is there, like alive, he's, He's doing this offering, the high priest is, and he touches the dough to the altar and then he leaves a portion of it on the altar as a, you know, as an offering. And then the remainder of the dough is going to be baked into loaves and uh, given to the priesthood. And then they're also going to offer the single lamb. So they're walking all this out in prophecy and it's being fulfilled right there, right before them. And I don't, I don't know, that's just messing me up right now. It's like right in the middle. They're doing this act that's prophesying. It's beautiful that they're doing this, but it's happening right in their midst. And, you know, uh, in Luke, it tells the story of when, um, Jesus encounters some of the you know, some of the men on the road, um, the MS, M- MS, that road. <laughs> so he encounters them and they're, they've been, to, you know, having this argument and this discussion and they're, um, well, I think we've talked about this recently too, but they're like, I thought he was the one. I thought it was him. And here he is. And it says this though, they were prevented from recognizing him. So he asked them this question, What are you fighting about? What's this whole dispute you're having with each other? And uh, they stopped. And there's a man, one of the men's name is Cleopas, which is interesting because his wife was at the cross. She was one of the women that was at the cross. And then he says to Jesus, Are you the only visitor here? Because, of course, it's a feast, so people have come to Jerusalem. They're, they're coming Um Back to their hometown, in many cases, that kind of thing. And he's like, "Are you the only visitor here that doesn't know what's just happened?" So, anyway, and and so they go on to tell him, "We were hoping that that Jesus was the one that was going to redeem Israel." Um, and they even say, "It's the third day since these things have happened. It's the third day, you know." And they have all this revelation. It's the third day, so it's the perfect day for a resurrection. But they're just not getting it. But hey, I'm preaching to us because we so often get the revelation and go, and we just don't get the understanding. And he's right there, and we're trying to do these things all while he's right there. Yes, here I am. It, it's happened. The thing I said to you is here. It's happening, and and we can miss it. Anyway. So they, they're like, oh, it's getting late. Come with us. Come in with us. And um, so he does. And it says he reclined at the table, which is so beautiful because reclined is the word for intimacy. So he made himself vulnerable to them so they could be intimate, so they could truly understand. And then just as he did at that Passover meal, just a few days before, um, he took the bread. He blessed it. He broke it. Yeah, he said so he gave thanks. He broke it. He gave it to them, and their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. So my pursuit in the counting of the Omer, which I'll go a little more into, is just I always want to recognize him. Like, I don't want to be so busy trying to do this thing that he said that I don't let him do it. Like, I don't let him perform it. I don't let him complete it. Cause that's so much what the counting of the Omer is about. So it's this link between Passover, Shavuot. It's 49 days. On the 50th day, uh, is when Shavuot occurred for these disciples who are walking this road. It's on the 50th day that Pentecost Shavuot becomes Pentecost, and they were completed. So just like. Passover or the day of salvation was considered completed at Shavuot because that was the giving of the word or the Torah. The same, the salvation that they've received on the cross becomes complete at Pentecost with the Spirit coming and completing them. And so that's so much what the counting of the Omer is about. It's this preparation to be completed. Like all these things um, that the disciples had in them all these, every word he said, every thing they ever saw him do, every interaction they had was yet incomplete until they had the power to do it too. You know, and so they had to have that power, like in my journal entry, to let go of all the ways he was going to be the king, all the ways he was going to save them, and actually just let themselves be saved. And I can definitely say in my own story, sometimes I'm like, How about if I just let myself be saved? (laughs) Because I find myself knowing that gift of salvation, that gift of deliverance. And we talked about that last week, just what He can deliver us to. And I I have to stop and go, wow, I could just let myself be saved right now. (laughs) That's why. I could let myself be completed. He could deliver me right to the completion, to, to that moment where everything becomes real and true. So just kind of been walking that, and um, so, so from Passover to Shavuot, this counting of the Omer, it's just this countdown to the next festival, um, to the next celebration, but it's it's so cool because it's on the 50th day, so it's like in every single year, because we know, we so, um, we were just changed forever by the year of Jubilee that we uh, walked through and the truth that he puts like this little segment of Jubilee in every single year, like get out. It's like, how good is that? I don't even, I can't even, you know, it's like within every year between these two feasts, he puts this little Jubilee right in it. So on the 50th day, it's just this day of Jubilee. It's just this day because that's what Jubilee is does everything's completed you can let go of what you need to let go of you take hold of what you need to take hold of and you have this just this the power of the spirit of the very thing the navigator the guide the nurturer for everything you need going forward so i just think that's pretty amazing it's you know the counting of the omer is like the journey from egypt to mount sinai and so It is a celebration of the wilderness, you know, and the wilderness is something we get to celebrate because it's where love is awakened. It's where we really discover, are we going to let him be our covering or not? Are we going to let him be our sustenance or not? Are we going to insist on being maintained or do we yield ourselves to being sustained? The wilderness is where we discover our need you know, our need of Him, and we've been talking about that a few weeks, but our need of Him is the best thing ever. Like, to have this God who wants us to need Him, you know, wants us to know it's okay to have need, because every time He fulfills a need in us, it's a demonstration to the world of His goodness. Every time we have need of Him, whether it's, um, health, or whether it's, you know, those practical things we think of, financial, those kind of things, healing, all of that, yes, but also just that I can't make it through a day without Him. I just can't, and I actually don't want to. You know, I need Him every day. I need to know He can deliver me from the jackhammer, (laughs) or He can deliver me to peace. He can deliver me to love in a situation where I'm, you know, I'm just trying to love on my own. He can deliver me right back to His love. And all of a sudden I can see that person or situation differently. So to me, the counting of the Omer is so much the celebration of our need. In those, um, the counting of the Omer that the disciples were doing there were these things that happened along the way, which I love because He does that, doesn't He? Like with daily bread, He gives us exactly what we need that day to keep us moving, to keep us hoping, to keep us trusting, keep us believing. So um, on the first day of the counting of the Omer, He appeared to Mary Magdalene, and then He appeared on that road. And then on the second day, He appeared among the twelve. And then on the ninth day, and I love this one, He appeared again to the disciples, and Thomas was with them. And nine is the number of choice. And Thomas was the one who had, you know, had doubt. And so, like, now there's this choice to believe everything Um, on the 40th day. So He spends 40 days, these 40 days of the Omer, with the disciples, and he is awakening everything that's in them. He is touching every spot in them, he's teaching them, he's teaching them what they're pregnant with, what they're carrying, what they're going to give birth to on this fiftieth day. you know jubilee is such a time of birthing. he's doing all of this, he hasn't abandoned them. he's done what is necessary for them to always be with them, him, and for us to always be with them. So on the 40th day, he leads them out, and he ascends, and he tells them this. He says, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait, wait here for the promise of the Father. So they waited, and while they were waiting, they counted each day of the Omer. And on the 50th day, because they had been faithful to that invitation, they were all gathered together in one place for the Spirit to come, the gift that, that bridal gift He gave them to be just opened wide for them and all of them to have access to it. And it was worth the wait. So that's the counting of the Omer is just every day recounting who He is, what He's done, and and letting ourselves be prepared um, for a completion. So as, as you're going through these days to Shavuot, just, you know, I ask for my daily bread of preparation for completion, like you're gonna complete all these things in me, you know, and each day you're gonna start to be more and more aware of what of what they are. And uh, so that that would be my description of the counting of the Omer. I'm sure it's not very official but it's just how he's always showed it to me. And um, one of the things that it's really cool. So on each day a counting of the Omer you know, you say this is the such and such day. So today is the fourth day of the counting of the Omer, and uh, there there can be you can find these easily online. There's a blessing for each day, often a scripture, but I want to read this one because Psalm 67 is really cool because it's all about our salvation, and it is has 49 words in it. So it's like the Omer uh, scripture, the the Omer. Psalm, and so I just want to read it. God be gracious to us and bless us. May He make His face shine toward us, so that your way may be known on earth, your salvation among all the nations. Let the people give thanks to you, God. Let the people give thanks to you, all of them. Let the nations be glad and shout for joy, for you will judge the people fairly and guide the nations on earth. Let the people give thanks to you, God. Let the people give thanks to you, all of them. The earth has yielded its harvest. May God, our God, bless us. May God continue to bless us so that all the ends of the earth will fear him or be in awe of him. So 49 words. So I'm kind of, my mission right now is I'm going to take whatever word it is. So if it's the fourth day, I'm going to take the fourth word and just do a word study on it because you know, I just love words, and I got to do that. But um, so, anyway, that's something I'm going to do just to make this psalm come really alive for me, and and let it be my song for the counting of the omer, my song going into Shavuot and Pentecost. And and I also love that it's the barley season because it's one of my favorite stories of our history, and that's Gideon being found in the vat of barley seed. And then being on the fringes of the enemy camp and hearing about this dream of a giant loaf of barley coming down, rolling down the hill and smashing the enemy's camp and knowing that victory is at hand. And so on another one of my tented days, I uh, it had rained a lot. We had had to cancel to gather. This was last week. and uh, But... I know, like, everyone around us, you know, we've said many times, we really don't check the weather, but it always makes its way to us, and it's the infamous they say. So, like, Pa had even gotten an alert on his phone at 3.19 a.m. There You know, it wasn't flash flood watch. It was like, there's going to be a, a flood, basically. There's going to be flooding. And uh, so I'm on the land. I'm in the tent, and I can see just ripples going. You know, the parking lot was full of water, and um, it was starting to recede, and I saw these ripples, and I heard the frequency of vibration, or no, the frequency of victory, sorry, and uh, so this was also our day on our wall here, and so the word was the frequency of victory, and what I realized was the land was celebrating there had been no flood. Like, we just think, oh, we hear this word, and, you know, we've got to deal with it. But the land knows, too. Creation knows, too. And so it knew there was this prediction, which is way different than prophecy. There's this prediction of flood. And in this moment, you just feel the frequency of victory. Like, hey, it didn't flood. And you can feel it just coming up out of the earth and it's vibrating this water and and i just realized and thinking of the barley and gideon when we accept victory when we let ourselves be delivered to victory because the victory is sown in we're recalibrated our frequency has changed and everyone around us knows there's victory so somebody next to us that needs victory all of a sudden they feel victory and they can start to take hold of it. And that's what I felt on Arba that day. I'm like, bah, I'm victorious. I don't even know what I need victory for, but it's right here. And I'm I'm just stepping right into it. Recalibrate me to victory, Papa. Just recalibrate that to me. So anyway, we hope you'll find that too and that um, you can just enter in fully to uh, to the recounting of... How good he is. And that because we receive it, other people will know it. And just like that Psalm 67 said, all of them. I love that. The peoples, the nations, all of them. Not part of them. Not some of them. All of them. And that's good. Yes, it is. (laughs) We love you all. Yep. We'll talk to you next week.